Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behaviour, sleep and more. Pregnancy and childbirth changes a woman's mind and body forever. But how often do we think about how men change when they become fathers? Anna Matchen is an evolutionary anthropologist based at the University of Oxford and author of The Life of Dad, The Making of the Modern Father. Hi, Anna. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. So how does an evolutionary anthropologist come to write a book about dads? <laughs> it's kind of quite, well, it's quite a long story. Um, it started actually when I first had my first baby 12 years ago um, and um I started looking at dads because of the way my husband was treated while we were having our child. So obviously when you, generally when you decide to have a baby, you decide to do it together and you take the test together and you go to the midwife's appointments together. And then I had quite a bad experience during the birth and I was quite ill, the baby was quite ill. And my husband was pretty much excluded from the process and wasn't given any information and basically came out of it was quite bad. PTSD from what he'd experienced and the fact that he wasn't given any support. And I was given loads and loads of support during this. I thought, well, that's interesting. That's an interesting attitude to have towards a father that he's not really involved in the process and he's not really going to be affected by it. So when I went back to work with this newfound interest in parenting, I had a look at the literature to see what we knew about the experience of fathers. And I found out that we knew practically nothing. So there's a really extensive literature on the impact that absent fathers had on their child's development. And obviously that, that's really valuable, but we didn't know anything about the actual vast majority of fathers who stick around and you know try to do a good job. And as an anthropologist, to know nothing about a key member of our society is actually quite shocking. So I decided then I was going to sort of start asking the questions about fathers, you know, what happens to them when they become a father what's their experience like how do they form an attachment to their child because i could see this amazing profound bond between my daughter and my husband and i wanted to understand how that was built because obviously men don't go through pregnancy and childbirth and it really started from there and i it's my absolute passion i'm solving it 12 years later and it's just the most fascinating story well, let's start at the beginning, which is probably where most um, people's incredulity might creep in, as in <laughs> they, especially when you're the mother, that you've carried the child and that you've felt all those crazy hormones and your body changes and all those sorts of things go on on a physical level. Mm. What is actually happening for dads? Because we assume that maybe all they do is stop exercising a lot and drink more beer. <laughs> well, there is that. But um, no, they're actually going through their own hormonal changes because a human fatherhood is a really rare thing in the mammalian kingdom. So only 5% of, of mammalian dads actually stick around. So humans are quite rare. And so what evolution has done is it has actually primed a dad, like it primes the mum, to be able to parent. And one of the things that has evolved is men experience their own hormonal changes to prime them to parent. So... The really, really big one is men's testosterone alters. It actually drops in levels. And there's a really key reason that that has to happen. And it happens in all animals where the father actually inputs into the children's care. So testosterone is great if you are trying to find yourself a mate because it makes you really, really competitive with other males and it makes you more attractive to women. 
However, when it comes to sticking around and being an investing father, it's actually not helpful at all because it carries on trying to distract you to go and find another mate. So testosterone has to drop to enable you to focus in on your family. And that's what actually happens in human males, as it does in all other mammals and reptiles and birds who have investing fathers. And we see this drop in testosterone in men. It can be, on average, up to about 30 to 40% drop. And that, first of all, primes the father to shift from mating to parenting. So to, fix, to shift his focus from the outside world onto the family. But also we know from, from uh, our, our neuroscience studies and also our behavioral studies that men, the lower a man's testosterone, the more sensitive he is as a father, the more motivated he is to care, the more empathetic he is about understanding his child's emotional and practical needs. So it actually makes him a better father. But also testosterone blocks the impact of dopamine and oxytocin in the brain, which are two really key bonding chemicals. So by dropping that testosterone, the man gets a greater impact of those chemicals, which means that every time he interacts with his baby, he gets a really strong kick of bonding hormones and a really big neurochemical reward, which motivates him to carry on. So really, as an evolution anthropologist, that, it's not surprising that men have their own biological changes because obviously evolution doesn't leave things to chance. It's not going to kick this man out into the world and go, right, on your own, you know, become a parent. It's tried as hard as it possibly can to prime that man by biological changes and psychological changes and make him as good a parent as he can be. Now, you're describing to me what sounds like a modern dad. How mm. do those chemical changes explain this kind of antiquated traditional view we've had of dad since possibly industrialization that that the dad is the one that goes out and works and the mother is a nurturer and carer and stays mm-hmm. at home how mm-hmm. how do you reflect on that in in that context there's several things to say about that first of all how a parent invests in his offspring isn't there are many investments that we need to put into our children and some of them aren't necessarily what we call direct in terms of care and changing nappies and doing all that some of it's what we call indirect which is things like protecting the home uh going out and earning money making sure there's food on the table so when we look at investing fathers across the animal kingdom Investment doesn't just necessarily mean, you know, hugging or carrying or practically carrying. It also means providing food um, and, and that kind of thing. So those fathers are still investing fathers. They're investing in a different way. The other thing I would say about that is we have this view that, that the, yeah, let's say that, that the Victorian father was very distant and disciplinary. And it's actually a little bit of a myth built up in the stories that, that were written around that time. And actually, if we look back at, at ethnography, at biographies of that time, a lot of fathers were as loving as they could be within the cultural context. Fathering is very culturally bound, whereas mothering is quite biologically bound. Fathering is very culturally bound. We say to fathers, this is how you need to father. This is how you should do this job. And therefore, they're quite constrained by that. And we still see that today around the world. So the way we father here in the West is very different to, for example, how you would father in certain areas of South America or in Africa. so it's very culturally constrained. But I would say it's a little bit of a myth that these fathers were, were incredibly distant and unloving. They were loving, but within the constraints of, of how the culture told them they should be. Speaking of the way culture tells you to be, um, I know mm. a lot of mums will talk about how they went into breastfeeding thinking it was the most natural thing that they should be able to put their baby on, it would feed, yeah. and everything would be great, whereas yeah. most of us who have tried that know it's not the case. Um, one of the 
biggest challenge, I think, for new parents is this ex- expectation that parenting will be instinctual. Mm-hmm. Um, what have your findings um, revealed on that front? Like, is it instinctual on any way, given that we are having these chemical changes in our bodies, mm. both mums and dads? Mm. So... I, I, I have a real issue with the idea of parenting being instinctual, partly because we mothers are told that we should be able to instinctively parent because we've gone through pregnancy and childbirth. And I don't know what your experience was, but my experience, particularly in the first few weeks of my first baby's life, I was definitely not instinctually good at it. But, <laughs> yes. um, there, are, there are elements that are instinctual for both parents, and those are underpinned by those biological and the neurological changes we see in the brain. But they are very basic care instincts, things like, my baby's crying, I should be motivated to go and pick my baby up, or I am going to assess the risk in the environment to my baby. It is not instinctive to know what all your baby's cries necessarily mean, to know how to change a nappy, to know how to breastfeed. All these things are not instinctual. They have to be learned. But the point I make is we have this mantra that mums instinctively know how to parent, whereas fathers have to learn. And actually, it's not true. Both parents have the same baseline instincts, both parents certainly have to learn what to do because it is not bringing up a human baby is incredibly complicated they are you know they have massive brains which makes them very complicated and very demanding to raise (laughs) yes and we all have to learn how to do that it is not something that that we are programmed to do um so what my argument with instinctual is yes you have very basic instincts to protect your baby to feed your baby but it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to actually be able to do that particularly well initially and you do certainly have to learn it's a very steep learning curve mm-hmm. yes it certainly is um, how about in terms of that learning process I've heard some dads describe their experience in the first months and year of a baby's life until they start making noises as being almost mm. like a third wheel um, but, mm. we, but we know it's important for a baby to attach to both parents. How mm. can you fathers emotionally bond with a newborn? It is tough. And what I found in all the studies I've ever done with first-time fathers is that all fathers find that, you know, that there's this expectation. I think mums have it too that, you know, the baby comes out, you get this amazingly powerful flood of love and immediately you talk this baby. And that's not what happens. And particularly with fathers, that's not what happens because... Mums do have a head start because childbirth in particular is involved with an absolute tidal wave of hormones which actually help the process of childbirth but also happily are also bonding hormones. So oxytocin, beta-endorphin, dopamine are flooding the body during childbirth and so the mum has a little bit of a head start. Dads don't have that, obviously, and dads have to build their attachment to their baby through interaction. And the problem with that is, particularly for the first six to eight months of a baby's life, developmentally, they do very little. <laughs> yes. you, certainly, you certainly don't get that two-way, you know, reciprocal communication, play, whatever it might be that the dad needs. And that's really how fathers, that's what they need to get those bonding chemicals going for them and for the baby. Um, so what I always try to prepare my dads for is the expectation that it's going to take you a good six months at least to start to feel a profound bond with your baby. What all my dads say is, yeah, when the baby comes out, I feel, okay, this is my baby. Kind of like, you know, this is genetically related to me. It's my baby. But they will tell you that six months, eight months down the line, that the love and bond they feel with that baby is so categorically different. And that's because they started to build a proper relationship, a two-way relationship. You know, babies started smiling at them, giggling. They've started the very basic elements of play. And at that point, 
you're getting lots of lovely chemicals. That's why there is a delay for men, because they need that interaction, and you just don't get that from a newborn baby. But what I will say to dads is the best thing you can do in those early months, if you can, where it is a little bit difficult to find a way in, particularly if your partner is breastfeeding, is baby massage is amazing. Yeah. Baby massage is really good because it's the one thing that you can do at that time that will produce these chemicals for both you and your baby. So do you know? Make that your thing if you can. Massage your baby, particularly before sleep. It's really good. Yeah, and, and then, then go on to your partner's uh, feet. Exactly. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then as the baby progresses in terms of development, then obviously play starts coming in. That's absolutely critical to the father-infant bond. If there's one thing a father can do, it's play with your baby. Initially, that's going to be very little. You know, a little bit of tickling. You know, maybe a little bit of you know playing with a cuddly toy, whatever it might be. But as as the baby ages, you know, and you move on to one year to, into toddlerdom, then you've got rough and tumble play, which is that exuberant, incredibly physical play that we quite often see dads do with children, which sometimes makes mums have a minor not heart. <laughs> actually, it's really, really critical. It's, it's the one thing you can really do because it's so fast, because it's so physical. It's an absolutely brilliant prompt for bonding chemicals. Um, and it's really good developmentally for the baby as well. So I say to my to, to the dad, you know, get involved, get down on the floor with your baby, wrestle, tickle, laugh, whatever it might be, and and you will build that bond. But don't panic. You know, quite a lot of dads in the first few weeks say, my baby doesn't like me, I don't have the bond that my that my partner does. You know, they hold up the mother infant bond as this gold standard of this is what I have to achieve, and I haven't got it yet. Just wait, and it will come. I promise. What do you hope this kind of um, research will do for fatherhood and the way we culturally look at fatherhood in mm. the West? I'm really, really hoping, first of all, at the father level, that it gives them confidence that they're not the secondary parent, they're not the, the one that's been thought of sort of after the, after the mum, that they are equally as primed to be able to do this as mum is, that it, so I hope it gives them confidence. I hope it makes them feel more competent at what they're doing. A lot of them lack a huge amount of confidence. Wider than that, culturally, I hope it makes us realize that, that again, that fathers, they're not the secondary parent. They're not the bad carrying. They're certainly not dispensable. We quite often, you know, read things about, you know, we can kind of do without dads, really, you know. <laughs> the, baby, the baby just needs mum. That's not true. You know, it, it, he plays a really, really key role. He's involved for a reason. He would not be there unless he had a role to play in the survival and success of that infant. So I'm hoping culturally we start to change these stereotypes we certainly have in the West of either dad being a bit rubbish. So certainly here in the UK, we have adverts where, you know, dad can't wear the washing machine or he puts a nappy on backwards or, you know, he's, he's basically rubbish or that he's absent. If you look around you and you look at the dads, you know, really? That's really who you know? And actually, if I look at the dads that are around me, the ones I've studied, the ones I've, they're doing a really good job. And we need to change that stereotype. So I'm hoping by understanding that fathers very critical role, that they have all this biological and psychological priming, that also we can start to change that really inaccurate stereotype we have. Anna, thank you so much for speaking with us today. That's okay. Thank you for having me. That's Anna Matchin. She's an evolutionary anthropologist based at the University of Oxford and author of The Life of Dad, The Making of the Modern Father. To check out her book, take a look at the links in the notes of this episode. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced by Debbie Ning and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. 
We'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email us at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.